Jesus said, This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Pardon me. The uh, gospel um, was 2,000 years ago. Uh, several hundred years before today's gospel came the first reading. Take a look at the first reading. Um, the, um, the first reading and the gospel are separated by hundreds of years, and yet there is a theme connecting them. Um, let's look at this uh, individual, Jonah. God spoke to Jonah. God gave him a mission. It wasn't a suggestion. And he told him to go to preach at Nineveh. Remember, I've got a New, a new Year's resolution. When I, when I read something and I don't understand it, this year I'm just going to skip it. The, uh, no, we can't do that. Um, we'll become Greece. The, uh, we, we'll just decline so rapidly. No, you come across something you don't know, look it up. Nineveh. Where in the world is Nineveh? In Iraq. There's a, a big city. I think it's the second largest city in Iraq, Mosul. There is, um, um, there are the remains of the ancient city of Nineveh. So um, Jonah is told by God to go and announce a message to the people of Nineveh. Um, the, Jonah hated the, the people of Nineveh. They had done terrible things to the people of Israel for a long time. Um, and it would be like asking, going to UT Austin and asking them to go up to UT Oklahoma, sorry, um, University of Oklahoma, spoken like a Texan, University of Oklahoma, and warn them about tornadoes. No, I'm not going. The, uh, Jonah did not want to go. So he went to the coast and he got on a boat going in the wrong direction on purpose. Um, you, you remember the story, right? There was a great storm. The sailors, the sailors saw the boat being tossed up and down. And they were trying to figure out who's causing this. Jonah is asleep. Um, kind of like some of you right now. The, uh, Jonah is asleep. And um, um, they wake him up. And Jonah realizes, oh, it's me. Jonah tells them, throw me overboard. Um, uh, he must have been a politician because politicians have been throwing people overboard since that time, right? either overboard or under the bus or wherever. So they threw him overboard and the storm stopped. And in fact, that way, Jonah is a symbol of Christ. Jesus did not commit suicide. He allowed this to happen to him to save us. He's an imperfect symbol, preparation for this, several hundred years later. So a big fish swallows him. For three days, Jonah is in the belly of the whale. What terrible juices are in the belly of a whale? I'd never want to find out. But the whale vomited him up on the shore. Don't you know the first place he went to was a good dry cleaners? The, um, and I bet that he didn't have any uh, carry-on luggage, right? Um, so Jonah probably is walking around for months with that smell of the whale in his hair, on his clothes. Yuck. And then the heat baking it in, oh, made it smell real good. I bet you could smell Jonah before you ever saw him. What's that smell? Oh, if he had been a dog, the other dogs would just go crazy. You know how they like to get really smelly? 
Well, this is Jonah. So Jonah, by the time Jonah gets to Nineveh, he is really mad. <laughs> really mad. <laughs> he was mad to start with, and he, he reminds me of me. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so Jonah, Jonah gets there. He's like, okay, I have to say this. I have to make this announcement. So you can imagine, he probably... Probably didn't say it loudly. Probably said it with as much hatred. Just venom dripping. Forty days more and Nineveh will be no more. He probably added good, you know, at the end. Well, look what happened. He didn't even make it one day. One day. And the people converted. Uh, God saw their conversion and he said, nope, I'm not going to destroy the city. At the end of the book of Jonah... Jonah knows all of this. He goes out of the town and he goes to a hill and he's waiting for it, you know, lightning to strike and blow the whole thing up. And it doesn't happen. And he's even madder. Now, look at the gospel today. Um, uh, there, this is a fish story um, where you, you find Simon. Simon is Peter. So you see St. Peter, St. Andrew, St. John, and St. James, the first four apostles being called. And after Jesus makes this announcement, he says, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, Pope Benedict points out beautifully in Jesus of Nazareth, the first one, that gospel means good news. Jesus is good news. Jesus is uh, the gospel. So believe in the gospel means believe in me. So uh, Jesus walks along and the first ones to be called are Peter and Andrew. Where were they? They were in their boat casting their nets. Um, Jesus, Jesus could have passed by them at any time. He could have timed it to when their boat was already at shore. He timed it this way for his reason. What they were doing on the Sea of Galilee, he wanted them doing um, in the church throughout the whole world. He wanted them to cast their nets. He wanted to make them, well, as that beautiful translation we had a, a few years ago, he wanted to make them fishers of people. <laughs> Isn't that lame? Fishers of people. <laughs> well, let me try that again. Four score, no. Anyway, the, uh, he said, I will make you fishers of men. And then he went on to James and John. And what are they doing? They're mending their nets. And, and at first I thought they were on the shore. No, they're actually in the water, in the boat, mending their nets. And God calls them out of the, out of the sea to do that kind of um, um, mending throughout the church in the world. <clears throat> Do you notice how these four men are so unlike Jonah? Uh, Jonah is given a message and he, he goes in the opposite direction. These men uh, follow, are called by Jesus and they follow him immediately. Uh, it would be nice to think that their uh, conversion is like this. But isn't their conversion something like this? I mean, how many apostles three years later were at the foot of the cross? The answer, one. The answer is one. Uh, uh, Judas had taken his own life. The other, t the other ten, where were they? 
cleaning the garage, taking out the trash. They were somewhere. They just weren't where they were supposed to be. It was all women, except for St. John the Apostle. So, um, um, now, later on, they would, they would be strengthened in their faith, and they would um, convert the world. Now, think of it. Twelve men, when you look at their background, these twelve men, these were, uh, these were not uh, scholars in the world or anything like that. They were fishermen. Um, and God chose them to convert the world. I told you that if today were not a Sunday, it would be the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. Before he was St. Paul, his name was Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a Jew, and he was a super scholar of the law. He went around um, um, turning Christians over to the Jewish authorities so that they could be tried and then hopefully killed. We first find Saul. He is just um, he is there when uh, the the men are stoning to death Saint Stephen the deacon. Um, he is um, Saint Stephen uh, preaches uh, preaches this message to them. Oh, and they hate it. They hate it. So they take it. They drag him out of the city, and uh, they start to stone him. You know, when you're going to stone somebody. Don't, isn't it hard? I mean, you want to pick up rocks with both, both hands, but what are you going to do with your coat? Well, the Bible tells us these men figured out an answer to that question. They, they placed their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. That way they could have both hands to pick up rocks and, and kill St. Stephen. Uh, by being right there and in such a prominent place, Saul was giving both thumbs up to the death of St. Stephen. He was participating. He was cooperating in the death of St. Stephen. And what did St. Stephen say? St. Stephen said the words that you would say or I would say in the same position. Other people are killing us. It's unjust. And what do we say? Lord, do not let this do not hold this sin against them. Right. Right. I would say that you would say that, you know, we'd be saying, ouch, ouch, don't do this. Stop it. Right. St. Stephen, now, Lord, do not hold this sin against me. He's, he's essentially saying what he said when he was being killed. Now, I bring it up because soon after that, Saul is sent to, uh, to Damascus, Syria. Um, he's sent uh, to uh, Damascus to round up some more Christians. That's when the come to Jesus moment is. Uh, most people think he was knocked off his horse. No horse is mentioned in the Bible, but often in paintings he's shown being knocked off his horse. Um, but it, uh, Jesus tells, tells him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's from that moment that he is converted. He has been a, a mortal enemy of the church. Um, he has the cap, the coffee mug, and the t-shirt. He is anti-Christian all the way around. And God says, I want you to carry my message. Um, I want you to preach this message. Now think about it, friends. Jonah, several hundred years before Christ, then Christ, and then after Christ, St. Paul, and so many others. Um, isn't it interesting? A lot of times we think of the Old Testament that God's, God's not giving us the full message in the Old Testament. That's why so many people have said, just throw that away. Just, just throw the Old Testament away. 
about 15 years ago, a bishop in Ireland actually made the papers because he said he would like to get rid of the whole Old Testament and a lot of the New Testament, most of it being St. Paul. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the, uh, so glad we didn't take his advice. The, um, but no, God was speaking with a full voice in the Old Testament. He wasn't standing on one leg. Uh, what he said to the people of Nineveh has the same force as what Jesus preached 2,000 years ago, what the apostles and St. Paul the Apostle preached 2,000 years ago. Um, but you know what? Um, I'm not an apostle. Um, I'm not an effective preacher. I mean, duh, right? The, um, so I get a pass. I don't have to preach. I'm no good. No, <laughs> no. In 1858, Our Lady appeared to St. Bernadette, Subiru, in the south of France. She was 14 years old. She could not read or write. She was smart, but nobody, they were so poor, she couldn't afford school. Um, and so Our Lady appeared to her over a series of weeks. And, um, and of course, this has been confirmed. It's a, an approved apparition. But later on, after all the dust settled on Lourdes, People used to say to uh, um, to St. Bernadette, why did she choose you? I mean, just dripping with sarcasm. Why did the Blessed Mother choose you in Lourdes to appear to? St. Bernadette, she had the comeback. She said, because no one in Lourdes, no one in Lourdes could be found more unworthy. <laughs> That's a conversation stopper, isn't it? Your next question. Think about 1917 when Our Lady at Fatima appeared to those three children, ages 10, 9, and 7. They could not read or write. They could barely watch the sheep. Oh, oh, oh we, we did it again. We came home again without the sheep. <laughs> we got to go back. <laughs> yeah, ages 10, 9, and 7. You know who was the best preacher of the three of those kids? Little Jacinta. You see this? That's about how big her arm was. Little Jacinta. Little. She, and she was the strongest preacher. Wow. Wow, she was amazing. What's the significance? Well, what was the message of Lourdes? Uh, repent and believe in the gospel. What was the message of um, Fatima? Let's see. Uh, um, repent and believe in the gospel. Yeah. Do penance and uh, sacrifices for the conversion of sinners. Um, if if you see three children who can't read or write from nowhere, Fatima, from nowhere, Portugal, um, you, you realize that they did not conspire um, to do this. Um, and yet, if God can use these individuals who are so ungifted at preaching, what's my excuse? And what's your excuse? Parents... Um, Parents usually find out very quickly their job being preachers to their own families. At one time or other, I'm sad, it's very unfortunate, but children often at some time or other, some, some have, have always done that. Some just kind of go through a phase and they grow out of it. Uh, some probably never do it. But most children have a time where they, they think that mom or dad are the enemy. I can't wait to get out of here. Can't just uh, graduate high school, <laughs> right? We uh, there are four kids in my family. My brother and sisters did that. I didn't. 
But uh, and again, I was always so close to the rosary. Anyway, <laughs> think about it. And what do parents do? Parents have to keep preaching to their children. Parents have to preach to their children, even if their children think they're the enemy. Um, uh, friends, uh, this is so important. There's no one. If you're baptized, you don't have a pass. You don't. You don't. Well, I'm not a preacher. No, the, to your friends, your family members, perfect strangers, and especially to your enemies. To your enemies. The reason why we have St. Paul's conversion today is traced to the man St. Paul was saying, yeah, kill him, kill him, right? The, the villains in the movies today, they always have a southern accent, right? Yeah, so St. Paul's there saying, yeah, kill him, kill him. The, uh, look, who, look who it was who brought about the conversion of St. Stephen. I'm sorry, of St. Paul. It was St. Stephen. Uh, you can draw a straight line from one to the other. And St. Paul, to his credit, um, was someone who, after he had that come to Jesus meeting, his conversion went one way. Thanks be to God. Um, Jesus says, um, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.